Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 and my mom he says i when shane became a pastor i was worried for a little while and, and a tough dad and just toughness and hardness and you know type a fight 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 and she never killed the dream she encouraged them but others did oh I don't, I don't know. You have to go to school for that. I heard that a lot. You, you have to go to school for. I don't, I don't think you're called. You didn't go to seminary. Do you have a, do you have a chapter and verse? I mean, I have one that says, when they saw that they were untrained and unlearned men, they knew that they had spent time with Jesus. I don't need a master's degree. I want a degree from the master. I want to hear from God. I want to hear, be led of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us here at Westside Christian Fellowship, located in Leona Valley, California, one hour north of Los Angeles. Today on Regaining Lost Ground, we hear part one of this spirit-filled message from Pastor Shane titled, Hearing from Heaven, Getting Orders from Headquarters. Romans 8, 13-14 tells us, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Does it ever seem that your prayers are not being heard? Ask yourself, are you hungry for more of God? Are you desperate to see your life radically transformed by the saving grace of Jesus? Today, Pastor Shane encourages us to trust in the leading of the Holy Spirit through steadfast prayer and daily humility to the truth of God's living word. You can hear the whole message at Pastor Shane's YouTube and Rumble channels. Make sure to subscribe today. For more information, visit us online at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We also encourage you to hear more truth from Pastor Shane with the Idleman Unplugged weekly podcast. And now, from Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California, here's Pastor Shane Idleman. The message is... Hearing from heaven, getting orders from headquarters. Anybody need help in this area? Boy, that's a lot of you are hearing clearly from God. You need no help whatsoever, huh? Balcony, all hands going up, I'm hoping. Hearing from heaven. And what I'm going to do, I just want to read Revelation 10 for you. Uh, and you can, if you have your Bibles, uh, we want to hopefully get back in the habit of bringing our Bibles, having it open highlighting what God is speaking to you, because a lot of times what He speaks to you won't come back later. That's why I have a notepad next to my bed. Because if I think of something, I've got to write it down. I've learned over the years not to say, well, in the morning I'll write that down. Because I get up, I'm like, what was that? So bring your Bibles. Uh, phone Bible doesn't count. It does, it does. But here's what happens. You know, because I do it. I was at a church in, in Anaheim last Sunday. Me and Morgan... Went to a church and, uh, you have your, your, and then here comes text messages, Instagram, Twitter, and you're like, oh, what's that? It gets so distracting. So if you can just only have the Bible app, then you are good to go. But if you get text messages and emails at the same time, it's counterproductive. Just saying. 
Revelation 10, it's about the mighty angel with the little book, and John, who wrote Revelation, actually eats the little book. Now, <laughs> I have to tell you, I'm looking at commentaries, I'm like, Lord, we need some help here, because Ellicott's commentary, the pulpit commentary, what does uh, Spurgeon say about this? What did uh, Matthew Henry say about this? Uh, what, it's like, there's so much speculation, but God, we need food. We got, we have marriages falling apart. We've got people struggling and we need to hear from heaven. So what I did is took, instead of going verse by verse and different commentaries and what well, could mean this, it could mean this, it could mean this. I'm going to take it and also go topical on how we can hear from heaven and glean some principles and some points from this. But it says here in Revelation 10, I I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet were like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand, and he sat on his right foot on the sea and on his left foot on the land. So he has this picture of this angel. You're not going to probably see it up there. Unless Kim, you're, unless you can keep up, that's pretty good if you can. Um, but is, so we have this vision of this angel separating the sea from the land. And he cries out like a lion roars. And when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now when the seven thudder, thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven. That's where this comes from. I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. Then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be no delay any longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seven angels, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. Let's stop there for a minute. Let's go back to verse 1. Anybody would like to unpack all that? Take a shot at it. There's there's so many different views. And of course, your view is going to be um, not skewed, but it's going to be interpreted by your book, your your view of revelation, preterist, partial preterist, all millennial, dispensational, post-millennial, pre-millennial, all of your your view of eschatology or who you've been following really, right? Are the teachers who we follow uh, really influence us and you're, you're going to look at this a little bit differently. And because we don't know exactly what this means, I'm not going to come up here and say, oh, this is exactly how it's going to pan out. This is how it's going to play out. But I believe we can pull important principles from here, especially in the, in the opening verses. I, in verse 1, I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven. So John sees this mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud. Often clouds are signs of God's judgment because in order to really understand Revelation, you've got to understand the Old Testament. I think John had a pretty good idea of the Old Testament as he's writing Revelation. And so cloud clothed with, clothed with a cloud could be a sign of impending judgment, God's judgment. And a rainbow was on his head. See, we got to take back the rainbow sometimes. we got to take back the rainbow. It's a sign of God saying, I will no longer judge the world. 
Yet those under the judgment and condemnation of God flaunt it and they call it pride. The very thing that caused the rainbow, it's like they've got everything mixed up. It's a sign of God not judging the world. Yet in our pride, we shake our fists at God. Take back the rainbow. It's a place, it's, a, it's something that God gave us. Not to mock Him, but to be thankful for what He has done. And so this angel, his face was like the sun and his feet were like pillars of fire. That's powerful because I didn't want to forget. I wanted to encourage you, listen to Jim Gardo's message on heaven from November 5th. So if you were not here, listen to that. Go back and listen to that and get an idea, a glimpse of what heaven will be like. And wasn't that so encouraging too? 32 people or more came forward, gave their hearts, their lives to the Lord. The different speakers have different ways of doing things. And I've been praying about this since yesterday. I think it's important to share with you because people have asked me, and it's a good question, um, in regard to altar calls, why don't we do them? Jim did them. It was very powerful. And it was kind of a setup. I knew he'd be speaking on heaven, and he asked, and I said, absolutely. You know, because we want to, we want to throw that out there. But I want to give you, I think it's important to give Westside Christian Fellowship a glimpse into, um, what God is doing. So when I first began, first began, 2001, 2002, you'll never guess where I spoke. It was a Wednesday, I'll never be invited there again, but Wednesday night, a Wednesday night at the vineyard. Just let that sink in. And I gave the call, and 25% of the room responded. Oh man, I'm doing pretty good. Right? Pride comes up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I would preach. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come forward, thank you, thank you. And God really began to deal with me. An older man came up and said, you know, you don't need to say thank you. It's not... You're not doing anything and they don't need to thank them. And I started to rate success by how many people would come forward or raise their hand. Man, God really moved. Wow, look at this. Look at this. Unbelievable. And God would deal with me. Would you still do that even if you didn't even know? Would you still preach your heart out? So a lot of people wrongly judge me for not doing that, not knowing what God has done in my heart. Because it can be an area of pride. There's nothing wrong with it. Is it biblical? Absolutely. Is there a biblical model that says we have to do it that way? Not at all. I've worked at Greg Laurie's conferences down in the field of Anaheim. Many of you don't know. And I would see people come forward. And uh, what are you doing? I just, my friend told me to come forward and get a Bible. So I also saw that, mm, and they will rightly tell you, Billy Graham Crusade, Greg Laurie, they will tell you that not everyone is converted. That's, that's, the, the, the numbers are not what they, you know, just because a certain amount walk forward. And so it was a process. And I would also find, um, you know, when I would go and travel and speak, and it became about, man, Lord, nobody really came forward. And you'll find people starting to say, well, I know, I know there's people here. You're just, you're not stepping out in faith or God's not moving and it become, it can become kind of dangerous if you're not careful. 
Now, Calvinists will love that we don't give altar calls because they don't believe in those. Armenians will wonder why we don't do them all the time, right? It's again your view on on how God saves and election and soteriology and things like that. But that's how God has dealt with me in the past. And you don't know it. Maybe we tell you sometimes we don't, but a lot of people, every Sunday, we hear from people texting us, hey, this person came to faith in Christ. This person came to faith in Christ. This person. So it happens all the time. Now, is it incredible to see? I've talked to Yvette about this. Many of you know Yvette and Ron, and, and it's, oh, we love to see it. It's, it's incredible. But that's where we're at as a church. I just want to make sure we're, not letting pride come in and, and look at, look at, look at what I've done when I spoke versus I have no clue what God is doing. We're going to throw the invitation out there. We're going to throw the call to repentance. And I don't think it hinders salvation. I truly don't. I don't think it hinders salvation. We have this, hey, if you need, if you need to accept Christ, we need to talk to you in the prayer room. We want to pray with you. You need to get baptized. Um, you know, it, 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 and so it's one way of doing things. And it's a good way of doing things. Maybe God will prompt me sometime uh, to do it. And so that's why I was so excited that Jim did that because you, you can actually see, you can see what God is. So that to me was a picture of what God is doing often that you just don't see. And I don't see. 32 people on a Sunday? Did I get jealous? No, actually, believe it or not, I didn't. I was so happy. So I'm like, oh Lord, well, I know what's going on behind the scenes. To that, not that many every Sunday. I'm pretty sure of that because when you and I knew when he talks about heaven, when you talk about eternity, when his mom was 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 given that near death experience, when when souls are on the line and you're thinking about where you're going to spend it, that's powerful. That that's going to move the hearts. That's going to lead people to salvation. So in a nutshell, I thought it was important to explain to you because people were asking me, well, why don't we do that? Why don't you do altar calls? And I hope oh, if you only knew. And it became a way to rate pastors and preachers. Now, Pastor Shane spoke. 25% of the room raised their hand. They came forward. The whole place was full. Why is that not happening in my ministry? Or why can't I? And see how it becomes more of you know, our works and thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Versus what is God doing behind the scenes? Now, does that mean it's right? I can't say that. I think God gives us a, a lot of different ways of doing it. As long as the Gospel is preached, and like Peter, you throw it out there, it's really... It can also be... I mean, we, I could talk about this for a while. The, the flip side is, and I've talked to people uh, that are not saved. And they'll say, but I came forward at, at, a, at a crusade. I, I walked forward and I said the prayer... I walked forward and I said the sinner's prayer. Isn't that now aren't I saved? Not necessarily. Not necessarily did you repent of your sin, confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, and cry out to God to save me. Because just going through the motion, saying, saying something, there's nothing wrong with the sinner's prayer. I've seen videos that mock it, and I've seen people rely on it too much. You know, I've seen people where it's like, can you say that? Oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready. Okay, well, just, just squeeze my hand if you agree with me then. Well, no, wait a minute. They're, you can't do that. That's sneaky. Because they're wanting to get numbers. That's another thing. I would see people, and I'm not going to mention the denomination, where they'd have to send in a report every month. How many salvations? How many baptisms? And you don't think those numbers were doctored? 
I know for a fact they were. And so I just think, I just washed my hands of it and said, Lord, you know, you'll save, we'll do baptisms, and maybe we'll do that from time to time. I think it's great. I think a grace fest and, and different guest speakers, maybe I'll be prompted to do it sometime. But that's the story, that's the history behind the altar call. It actually started, I believe, in the 1700s. It was initially called the Mourner's Bench. And people like, gosh, who, I think it started with Wesley, John Wesley probably, uh, the Mourner's Bench, where at the Methodist movement, uh, they would preach in the Whitfields and the Wesleys. I don't know if Whitfield did it, but they would say, okay, here's a mourner's bench. And for those who are, are concerned about your soul, sit there and let us know. And then it turned into the altar call and people like Mordecai Ham. You don't hear that name much, but do you know that that's who Billy Graham, when he walked down the sawdust trail, they would pour, put sawdust down in the old revival, tent revivals. I love those old tent revivals and reading about them. Mordecai Ham was preaching and Billy Graham walked down the sawdust trail. And so the altar call has a strong history there. And again, there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's great if you do it right. But it's not something you have to do. And if you're not doing it, you're outside of God's will because the Bible doesn't actually promote that. It doesn't give any examples. When Peter preached the 3,000, what must we do to be saved? Repent and believe. Now, could he have said, and, and those who did come forward? Maybe. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. So, gave you a snapshot of what we believe, the altar call, when we do it, why we don't do it sometimes. And that's my six-minute version. All right? So make sure you see that message. Hope that was helpful because I'm even wondering, I wonder if people probably think, why don't you do that? You have 32 people, but then I, you know me, 12 people came forward, 15 people came forward, 10 people came forward. And really, are they saved? God knows. And it's wonderful. But I want to encourage them, if you're hearing this or you know somebody who did come forward, get baptized. Get baptized. I brought clothes. We have clothes every Sunday. First service, second service. And we've had baptisms, you know, every Sunday. Salvations every Sunday is as far back as I can remember. I mean, I'm not talking years, but I mean months and months and months. Raquel prays with somebody. Lori prays with somebody. Morgan prays with some. Morgan, you guys don't even, I should toot her horn sometimes because she is doing amazing things, talking to the younger women and leading people to salvation. I pray with people. Pastor Abram does and Tim and Amy and Joe. and People are coming to salvation because we ask them, well, we can pray for you, but do you know Jesus? Well, I'm, I'm considering it. I'm thinking about it. Well, let's begin there. And I like that approach better because we can talk to them. We can lead them. We can tell them what it really means and what their decision is going to lead to. So that was a long rabbit trail. Let's get back on track. So this descriptive picture gives us a glimpse of God's awesomeness. It gives us a glimpse of God's awesomeness. And he had a little book in his hand. Now, what does this mean? Well, I can tell you 40 different opinions, but let's keep reading. So the angel had this little book in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. Wouldn't this be incredible to see? And he cried out. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Again, that number seven is of completion. And they uttered their voices. And I was about to write. John was about to write. But I heard a voice from, from heaven saying, no, 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 don't write it. 
Don't write it. Seal it up. Now, what we don't know is, is he releasing things later in Revelation that we'll read, read about? Things that have been sealed up, but now we, we know because John was able to release them later. As we go through Revelation, you'll see. And this voice said, hey, God shared things with you. I didn't even write this note down, but I'm thinking of it right now. Sometimes when God shares something with you, don't share it with everyone else. Sometimes you got to be like Mary. And she pondered these things in her heart. What about Nehemiah? And he pondered these things in his heart. I know we can get excited about what God is doing in our heart and in our lives. and We want to tell others, but, but be careful because there's a lot of dream killers out there. I'm very careful who I share my stuff with nowadays. They will kill your dream. I don't know about that. That's, why, that's where I get the word negative Nelly from. And downer Debbie. Negative Nick for the men. You haven't met the dream killers yet? Young, Aubrey, you know, right? Young adults, when you start to share what God's, oh, I don't know, that's pretty expensive. I don't know. I don't know if you're designed that way. I might share it sometime. But it's kind of funny, but we did a 10-year anniversary video. And my mom was actually in it. And it was right before she, it was actually before she passed away. And we were able to share it. She says, I, when Shane became a pastor, I was worried for a little while. You know, because, I don't know, he was kind of, you know, came from the hard, the school hard knocks. And, and a tough dad and just toughness and hardness and, you know, type A, fight, fight, fight. And uh, she never killed the dream. She encouraged them, but others did. Others did. Oh, I don't, I don't know. You have to go to school for that. I heard that a lot. You have to go to school for I don't I don't think I don't think you're called. You didn't go to seminary. Do you have a do you have a chapter and verse? I mean I have one that says when they saw that they were untrained and unlearned men, they knew that they had spent time with Jesus. I, I, I don't need a master's degree. I want a degree from the master. I want to hear from God. I want to hear be led of the Holy Spirit. Now the critics will say, well, you can't just just hear voices and do it. No, of course you need sound doctrine. You need teaching. You need to go through systematic theology. Of course you need that. But at the end of the day, what is God saying to you? How is God speaking to you through His Word? Grounded in Scripture, of course. The dream killers. I still remember it today. A church in Lancaster. When we first started our church, people were coming and then they would stop coming and, and they said, well, this church said that you're not a real church because you didn't go to seminary. Well, what's a real church? Ironically, we have more people coming here now than they do. God has a sense of humor, doesn't He? You've got to be open to His will because He will confuse you sometimes. A friend of mine I know, it's actually they're, they're starting a church today in Quartz Hill. And uh, I'm like, Lord, really? I've been praying for my hometown and start something for 13 years. Really? He's got a sense of humor. I'm telling you. God is not concerned with what you want. You have to submit to what He needs and what He wants to do. 
Are you, are, you, are you okay with the rabbit trails? Okay, watch out for the dream killers. Be careful who you look to for counsel. You've been listening to Regaining Lost Ground with Pastor Shane Eidelman. You can find more information at westsidechristianfellowship.org. That's westsidechristianfellowship.org. And for all the latest on what God is doing with His ministry here, please be sure to follow us on most social media platforms. Westside Christian Fellowship is located 60 miles north of Los Angeles in Leona Valley, California. Thank you again for listening to today's message of Regaining Lost Ground, where we are reminded daily, times change, truth does not. Regaining Lost Ground is sponsored by the generous supporters of the ministries of Westside Christian Fellowship.